Welcome, everyone. We have another very special podcast today, of course, brought to you by Club GG, where you can create poker clubs for free and win hundreds of thousands of dollars of prizes monthly. With that being said, I got to introduce someone that I've looked up to. I've always kind of around the same time frame, same age. We got Chris Mormon here, one of the most prolific online tournament players of all time, world-class player and all-around great guy from what I know. We haven't got to spend a lot of time together, but I appreciate you taking the time and, and coming to chat with me today. I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast. I know we've been trying to get it sorted for a long time, but I'm finally here now. So I'm um, yeah, ex excited to chat to you, get to know you a bit more, and uh, yeah, tell your listeners uh, a bit about myself. Yeah, no, for sure, man. Listen, I a lot of a lot of respect for your game and what you've done. And for those that that don't know, I I don't want to spend a whole podcast on going through your your history of poker, but maybe just tell me how you got into poker originally. You are the or were the number one online earner in tournaments of all time. I know that changes a bit. You're doing more live. So I think that you were the first across 15 million. You have 20 million plus in earnings, maybe more. Uh, just maybe give the viewers just a little bit of an overview of how you got into poker. And then I'll, yeah. uh, I'll go from there. Um, yeah, I was just, um, I was studying economics. I was at university in England. Uh, that's where I'm originally from. Obviously my accent still a little bit, but it's gone a bit being in yeah. the US for a while. Um, but yeah, so I just was uh, studying economics and I was in the actually the pool team and we went on a trip and on the way back from it, one of my friends saw in like the local student newspaper about this poker tournament online and he was like oh we should all start playing it was on a monday night and there wasn't much going on on campus on monday night so me and my four friends i live with we all signed up made an account it was like a free tournament and i think like the final table got paid money um but you know it wasn't like a big time thing i think the winner got like 250 bucks but the winner did get a seat into a live tournament in london so we were all kind of excited for that we had no clue what we were doing we printed off the rules on uh i think it was yahoo back then that shows how long ago it was it wasn't even google it was like 2005 this was and uh, me and my friend just started playing we were terrible one week i got like a good rush of cards though and actually came second place so i missed out on the live tournament but now i had like 150 dollars in my account and everyone was like, okay, are you going to cash it out? Or are you going to become a gambler? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I want it for free. You know, like $150, especially when you're a broke student, like I could have cashed yeah. it out. It would have, you know, been nice. But I was just like, oh, well, I want it for free. Let's see how it goes. And kind of just went from there. I went down to my last $10. I was playing like an idiot in cash games. I was just going all in, trying to win the blinds. And obviously it will work most of the time until I ran into a good hand. And I was thinking I was unlucky. It was <laughs> the worst strategy ever. Um, but yeah, the one, the one thing I was quite good at was the sit, uh, single table tournament. So I play them and with my last $10, I was like, okay, well, I might as well put it all on a $10, uh, single table tournament, won that, got my account back up a bit, took a little break. And then I started getting into it a bit more seriously, read some, uh, went on online forums and just went from there, really met people, uh, on the poker site I played. Like we, we started talking on MSM messenger, stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, it's got really into it and it kind of ended up taking over my studies, uh, ended up leaving my university degree and um, taking on poker full time and just went from there. The the sit and goes the, the, in the in, in Britain, right? You, Stevie 444, I remember those uh, poker stars sort of package satellites, 12K steps. He would always do uh, crush those. And did you know of Stevie then? Did you know any other um, than those guys? Yeah, like Stevie started with tournaments. So he was um, playing tournaments the same time that I switched to tournaments because actually I started with cash games and then I ended up switching to tournaments, enjoyed them much more. But um, yeah, he was playing tournaments and then he started playing these steps. He would try and get me on and in on them. But I don't know. I just didn't. It was weird. Like I started with sitting goes, but then I just never really played them again in my career. 
Um, but he was like killing it. Like he was winning all the seats before he was 18. I would talk to him every day. Like we were discussing strategies. So for a while, I think I went to um, his first EPT with him. Like I met his parents at the airport and uh, I was late. So that wasn't a good, that wasn't a good image. Like it was the first time he'd been to like a live trip and he just raw turned 18. But he, everyone knew who he was even before he'd like, you know, um, showed his face in live poker just because he was such an online OG kind of thing. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't really get into the steps, but like I was into everything else basically. Yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting because the the poker back then in the U.S. it just got so popular. We started around the same time. The moneymaker effect was that something that were you aware of it? Had you seen the World Series of Poker? Did you know who Chris Moneymaker was before you started, or was that not a part of anything? Um, no, not so much. We knew um, World Poker Tour stuff, so that was the stuff I downloaded off. I think it was you know back when Napster was around, stuff like that. Uh, we'd like watch all the World Poker Tour episodes with uh, like Gus Hansen and stuff like that. And uh, yeah. me and my friends, we got the um, Dan Harrington books. So we had all the Dan Harrington books um, and Super System, obviously, stuff like that we read. Um, but yeah, World Series wasn't really a thing until like um, like when the first 2006 was my first World Series I played. I won a satellite on full tilt and just came in and actually played one warm up event, a 1K event. And then I was straight into the main event. It was probably my third ever live tournament so i came in there like thinking i was you know the shit basically and uh, quickly realized i wasn't yeah it's uh that those are fun times back back before married life and all this where it was just like you know your boys you go out and get a house and and go out for the summer and, and and do it those are definitely some great memories what is um what were what was the transition like for you from from online to live and was that a difficult decision because you were having so much success online were you a bit worried, like, um, not only just not how you would do live, but that you would take away time from something you were dominating? Was that talk to me about that transition? Yeah, so I like obviously, like everyone live, the the buzz of it was cool, and but I just my first five years live were just a disaster. Uh, me and Sean Deeb used to joke that we were the both the two biggest losing players uh, live, and I played a fair amount of events. I would I would mainly play like stuff I satellited into. Uh, just because then I was like, okay, well, I got in for cheap anyway, and it's not a big deal. But I just felt like I was winning online and then just giving it all back live. Like, I'd, uh, you know, like just whenever I get deep in a tournament, I'd lose a big race, or maybe I'd make a bad bluff that would get called. Or I was, you know, it was one of those things where the guy, the, my opponent would tank for three minutes and then they'd always make the right decision, you know. And then I was like starting thinking, am I giving it away my poker face? You know, my mom knew nothing about poker and she'd always be like, well, I watched it on the TV and they're all wearing sunglasses. Maybe you should try that. So I remember one year I played the uh, WPT 25K when it was at the Bellagio and I was on day two and I didn't know anyone on my t table for day two. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to wear sunglasses today and just see. I feel like an idiot, but I'm going to do it. And firsthand, I had like the most standard open uh and it was just one of those ones, probably because it was the first hand of the day, everyone still hadn't like sorted out their chips and stuff, but everyone took 20 or 30 seconds to fold before they folded. I won the pot, but I just felt so nervous. My heart was beating. I was like, we're not even, you know, seen the flop yet. So I just felt like an idiot wearing these sunglasses. So I just removed them and never wore them again and decided that it must be something else. And uh, yeah, live poker didn't really click for me until I think it was 2011. I just had like an insane year where I started off uh, final table in the Aussie Millions uh, main event in January and just went from there like my confidence grew i had a really good um world series actually i think yeah 2011 i had a really good world series i actually was in contention for player of the year without playing mixed events really i think i played some plo events but other than that like uh, i i almost won it but but for but ben lamb final table in the main event 
um yeah it was insane i was like deep in every tournament and obviously you do interviews and everyone's asking you like oh so what are you doing differently like you've been around for a long time never really had any success live what are you doing differently and you know i was just playing my game more obviously I had a bit more confidence maybe i was a bit more patient stuff like that but only five or ten percent changes uh and you know i was just running really well um my bluffs were working out i was pulling the trigger maybe a, you know a little bit more that would in good spots and uh picking my spots more but it wasn't like i suddenly devised a whole new strategy it was just uh, a few tweaks and the difference between winning a big flip and losing the big flip so yeah, yeah. I, I always reference because i you know i streamed on twitch for consistently for four or five years and i would just try to equate how many tables that I was playing versus like when I would play four, six, eight, you know, how much does that actually add to follow the chat, be distracted, doing stuff. And then I would always reference kind of like Mormon, you know, man, I don't know how this guy does. Cause I felt like my play style, like I felt like I was so much worse playing more tables. And I know different people handle things differently, but I always kind of reference you as like, it's like crazy to be able to play like 12, 16, 20 tables and actually be playing like the similar to how you're playing a couple, you know, right. I think you've always really done well with that. What, how, what is sort of the, can you give me a breakdown on how you feel your quality of play goes from let's say one or two tables to four to six to eight to 10? And what is the most tables you'll ever play uh, then and now? Have you shifted your perspective on on that? Yeah, like back in the day, I would play like as many as possible. I would just get in everything and um, maybe like 30 plus tables. But now I would maybe max out like 15 on a Sunday, something like that. And a lot of them would be stuff that I late register as well. So, you know, it's very simple decisions, push or fold, 10 big blinds, and if you double up, okay you're, you're sitting nice like cl close to the money stuff like that and if not you're out and you'd load up another one so a lot of them will be more simple decisions so i wouldn't like to play like um like high stakes tournaments that many tables but um my buy-ins i tend to i don't tend to play like the the big big stuff with small fields i prefer like with tournaments i like to like risk not too much to win up to win a lot so i like bigger fields softer tournaments where i know i have a big edge on the field rather than like say a five thousand buy-in tournament with 50 runners where you have to pay a lot of attention to every single hand because then i feel like that would take away from my other tables so i kind of try to avoid those tougher field tournaments unless i satellite in and uh play fields which have like you know you can win 100 times what you buy in for first and stuff like that and obviously a lot of the time it's you know you're not gonna you're not gonna make anywhere near the final table in those fields but that's why I like to play a lot of tables, give myself a lot of chances. And uh, yeah, I do find that if I only play a couple of tables, I do look for spots that aren't even there. You know, you try and win every part and you like see a squeeze spot every time um, and you almost try too hard. So I, that's why I like to have like a sweet spot of maybe like nine to ten tables. Uh, most, you know, I've been playing so long that a lot of decisions are quite straightforward for me. So then I don't need I don't have four tough decisions at once, really very you know it's very rare so that's the way i like to do it and and how would you say the state of online poker is right now to when it was back in the, the heyday or let's say five six seven when you started playing a lot then do you feel like it's gone in waves like is it literally getting super tough and easier it seems like there's a lot of people coming into poker right now live and online in general what, what are your thoughts of the, the current landscape? yeah i think it really depends what what games you're playing like um if you're comfortable with the stakes you're playing like and the size of the fields um but yeah compared to sort of when i first started 10 15 years ago over that really um the games like moved on uh, you know like a thousand percent almost like it's just a complete different game if i was playing the game back then that i was playing i would get crushed now um so yeah you just have to keep moving with the times um keep trying to learn and get better but that, that's what keeps it fresh because i've seen a lot of people come and go 
um, from when I played poker. Even people who I thought were way more talented than me um, have sort of been bypassed by poker. Um, but I always was like, okay, I'm going to work hard. It's my, you know, like I don't, this is my job. So I can't be too, you know, even if I'm doing really well, I can't be, get too confident with it. I have to like always look at um, work on my game. And like when I see stuff that I'm not sure about, like ask other people not not have too much of an ego to do that and uh, just try and stay one step ahead. And uh, I've always tried to not play. Um, I've try, always tried to play different to everyone else as well, because in tournaments especially, I feel like you can get away with, you know, maybe not being the best technical player as long as, because you don't play the same opponents every day. Like you're playing, um, the, the player field is like a lot larger than like, say, if you're playing a cash game, like if I was playing a, a weekly cash game that was streamed, everyone saw your cards and uh, some of the exploits I'm doing, would people would quickly crack onto that. But um, once you play like, people you only play a couple of hands against them each day and they're not really significant hands so they and they're playing hundreds of you know different opponents lots of different tables they're not trying to like study playing just against you it's not worth their time so yeah that's how i like to feel like the games you know if the, the player feels still big enough where like i don't think any, everyone's like trying to analyze every single player they're just trying to play their game so i think you can get away with stuff and uh, make some good exploits for sure and and tell me about the pool and i believe bridge you are sort of ahead of your time there maybe you're the captain of your your college team if that's right and you guys won the national championship if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah pool i like grew up playing as a kid um i was well snooker was my main thing to start with which is like i don't know if you've ever played it's on a much bigger table than a pool table and the pockets are much tighter so it's like it's really really hard like if you don't play that for a couple of years you just come to the day when you're just useless so i used to play that with my dad and we'd go every weekend to play and then it got to the stage maybe i was like 11 or 12 I ended up beating him and he's like he's even more competitive than me so when i wanted to beat him he threw a fit and he refused he stopped playing with me basically and all my friends at the time they didn't play so i was way better than them and i i don't know i just didn't join the league or anything so i, I kind of gave up on snooker like my highest my highest score was like cool break the highest score based in snooker was when i was 11 years old i haven't beat it now you know i just don't play very often now so i was really good at that back in the day but it kind of translates to pool so pool was a lot easier so i went and started playing pool and i like was instantly good at that and i just got really into it um there was a team at my university that I was there for like three years so i, I joined the team to begin with uh, we had quite a good team we were one of the favorites the first year we i was the like first sub for the a team and one of the players was playing bad so i came in and did a good job we lost in the final and then after that i was like okay i really want to win this tournament the next year i was one of the main players but we lost um we came in as favorites and we just underperformed maybe we were too like we lost in the quarterfinal and we like maybe we were too re relaxed about it all and then the final year so it's my last chance i was the captain and uh we'd lost a couple of our best players so we didn't come in with like that high expectations especially after getting knocked down the court final yeah um, but we ended up winning it all and it was less, like amazing it was like okay like, it's something i built you know worked hard for three years so yeah, I was always like into like um, different games and like my parents both played bridge, which is like a really kind of probably one of the most technical card games there are. Like it's actually like way more complicated than poker, like to get into. Um, obviously, there's a lot of advanced strategies in poker, but like you learn the rules, you can anyone can play like within a few, you know, few hours, few minutes kind of thing. Whereas bridge, like the, the learning curve is really steep, like you have to have a whole system. And so I, got, I, I started playing that as a kid and then I got to the age, you know, you start becoming a teenager and you realized it wasn't, wasn't that cool. Everyone I was playing with was like 60 years old. And yeah. uh, 
there was no money in it. And um, I, I gave that up. And my dad was really disappointed when I gave that up because he was like, you could have been one of the best. And I was like, well, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be a professional bridge player when I grow older. So, but yeah, like once I started getting into poker, like it kind of tr translated pretty quickly. Well, and, and how was your, what's the family dynamic with poker? Because I guess with games and this, I would imagine it's not, and, and not having some immediate success or were they worried about that with poker? Or was it always just a blessing for them? Um, no, like any parents, you know, at first they're really worried. Like my mom's quite a warrior anyway. So she thought I was just going for a phase. She would send me, um, she'd cut out like jobs from the local newspapers and send them to me. And the thing was, I'd actually, I didn't tell them I didn't have a, a uh, university degree until a few years ago actually they really yeah wow. because well i was the eldest i have a younger sister but like they were so proud that i'd gone to university and um i didn't want to like let them down one thing and two i was worried they'd make me go back and do it again and then i like i really <laughs> just didn't want to wow, that's it. a that's a pretty big secret that's, a, that's yeah so i got i got how not know they never got grades or was there they were never like oh where's the graduation or what uh well a combination of things i got a friend to photoshop a set of fake results to them <laughs> which was like the worst possible pass so um it was like a third which which is like a pass in the uk but like it's like okay you get a third and you're not going to get like a great job to start with so i said all my friends have got better degrees than me so you don't want to come it's a bit embarrassing and i had actually satellite into the world series poker main event at the same time so i was like i can't go anyway and like you're just gonna be there like i'm not even gonna be able to do it and um you're gonna feel a bit stupid because like other, other people have got better grades so don't go well um, so so you actually but you did tell them you were going to be in vegas like the world Series yeah i said i'd satellite into this i said i've been playing poker and i told them I'd, I'd showed them basically that i'd paid off all my student loans and stuff so i said it was like quite a serious thing for me and i wanted to do it but i hadn't said that i'd left basically my university for wow. six months before that's, the, an, yeah. interesting, that's an interesting story that's a really bluffing firing on your parents i like that that's uh, yeah yeah well the crazy thing about well. it you knew that it would have been, they were going to be like, no, you're going to school and like the whole thing. Yeah. So, but my dad was a lot, more, a lot more practical. He was like, okay, you've got six months. He wrote down all the finances I had. He was like, you've got six months. I want to see how much you've made. Like, and if this is feasible to do, like as a, you know, as a job. So that six months, I was like, I think I was about 20, 21 years old. And obviously everyone's going out all the time at that age, but I just didn't go out. I played seven days a week for six months straight. And, uh, you know, got a lot better as well and um, ran pretty good and like basically came back and he was like, yeah, you got, he, he was like, you got to teach me how to play this game. He, he was, he was straight away. He was behind it after seeing that because I'd had like a really good six month period. And I knew that if I didn't do good in that six month period, then they would like, the game would be up kind of thing. And I'd have to tell them that I hadn't got this degree because I wouldn't be able to get a job. And then I'd have to go back and do the whole, you know, basically another, I'd be three years behind in my life and I'd be three years old and everyone who was in the same situation as me and I'd have to explain what I'd done. And yeah. I'd never, so I, I basically had to, I put 120, so like the hardest I ever worked in anything and I like just tried really hard and it came and, off. And, and tell me, I'm curious with nowadays, there is solver work and of course GTO talk and, it's good to know the plays and exploitive is a big part of the game still. What were you doing back before there was information other than just some books and stuff? Were you, or were you just naturally good at games like, like you said, snooker, pool, bridge? You had some acumen to the game. But what was it that did, what were you doing to review or study or to, 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 that you were able to separate yourself and become the number one online player in the world for, I mean, many years in terms of earnings and whatnot? What, what do you think was your, your special? superpower or we're doing differently than a lot of others um yeah i was i was trying to like basically 
so they had like the pocket fives ranking system and i you know i would try and move up that and every time i'd move up i'd so i'd say again to the top 100 i'd message um like just private message like the people from 90 to 100 so i was like okay i'm a similar level to them now so they might want to talk strategy and i'd like message them and obviously some might not reply and some i'd chat to and i'd like and we'd talk on like aol messenger and then um to talk about different strategies what they thought were what i thought and then i would like basically it was a lot of it was trial and error though you try it in game and see what was working what was what wasn't and then go from there and that's how i learned was just a lot of playing and uh the, the games were soft enough that you could still try new stuff and be winning and so every time i'd be playing a lot i'd move up the rankings and i was kind of excited because i'd look up the rankings i'd be like okay this person's i really respect their game but they're like 25th and i'm 90th right now so i don't want to message them right now and then just big time me but if, if like they see i've had a lot of good results lately they might want to learn what i'm doing so then i move up to like the, the top 20 and i'd message them and they're right back and so i would get like a lot of different people's opinions and i try and meld them into my game and just take like you know, like try and basically take their best strategies and put it all together, like 10% of each different per person. And I just talked to a lot of people from different countries. And I also enjoyed, you know, just meeting, you know, people and um, from different lifestyles and countries. It was enjoyable because at the same time, obviously all this poker and online, I was becoming a bit uh, like, you know, I wasn't leaving the house as much. So this was kind of my life. And uh I, you know, I wasn't in the real world as much. So I was happy in poker, but then I also was, wasn't so happy outside of life, but I was like making these friends and I meet them at the live stops and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, just like, that's kind of like old school, but that's the, the way I got about it. And that was, you know, and then once I started backing a lot of players, I would um, take different things from their game and like we'd discuss strategies as well. And that's when I maybe I'd start taking, you know, trying to like develop new strategies for the whole stable and stuff like that. So what, yeah, I just what, like, Okay. Oh, Looking back, what would you have tell tell yourself, like your younger self in two thousand six, seven, eight? Was there anything you'd recommend? I mean, it's different. It's hard to say to to someone coming into poker now, right? Because it is it is different, and the the buried entry probably a bit harder. Um, but like, what would be some advice you would give to your younger self? Um, well, definitely the you know not to um, choose poker over life. Because for a long time, you know, people would be like, "Oh, I'm uh, I've got this birthday pie or whatever on a Saturday, Saturday night or something," and I'd be like thinking, "Well, if I go out Saturday, I'm going to be hungover for Sunday, and it's a big Sunday this week, a special tournament." So, or even like just because back then as well, like every day you missed, you're basically giving up a bunch of EV because like a bad session for me really, and this is just you know in, in tournaments was was almost like breaking even. And like, obviously, you know, most of the time in tournaments, 75% of the time I, I looked like the other day, 75% of my online sessions ever have been losing sessions. And that's just kind of the way it goes. It's like 70%, something like that. So you are gonna lose seven times out of 10. But in my head, I was like, even if I lose, it's like break even because the games, I just felt like I had such a big edge and I just love playing so much. I was almost like, if it wasn't my job, I was addicted for sure, you know, like, like, just I loved the action. I couldn't get enough of it. I'd sort of, especially when I was living in the UK, because the time schedule would be like you start grinding about 6 p.m. and you play till about six in the morning. And then by the time I got to sleep after the adrenaline wore off, maybe I get to sleep at like 9 a.m. It's getting light outside. And then I'd wake up like an hour before I had to play again. And uh, sort of my friend would come home from his normal job. I'd chat to him for a little bit, maybe play a game of PlayStation, and then I'd be back on poker kind of thing. So that was my life. And it took over for a long time. And uh, yeah, to become like the best at something, like that's kind of, you, you have to do that really. But 
um, it wasn't necessary and it did take over like it took me uh, a while like it wasn't until I got into like my sort of early 30s that I made a lot of changes uh, you know obviously I, I met, met my wife and stuff like that so you can't be doing that like you, marriage isn't going to work out too well if you're doing that every day so um, yeah how is it how is it being being married to someone also because she's very uh, proficient in poker I know has great some great results and likes to play as well and and I've always wondered that I have some good friends that are married or wife girlfriend and it's an interesting dynamic right because it's like poker is amazing it's fun because it's cool she can relate she understands it it's it's a lot of fun but that relationship too is a bit tough if you both want to play you know and and how it works and then your schedules maybe if you're in this tournaments and then when are you free and also the bad beats, these type of things. Like you have to really condition the relationship to understand. Cause I know friends are like, man, I, it's cool that my, they play, but it's like, I don't want to hear like the poker hands and all the for time. Sure. So how do you, how does that work? And have you had to shift how you guys, some rules for, for that? Uh, yeah. I mean, the thing is at the end of the day, I'd rather like she understood poker than yeah. she didn't. So obviously there's going to be times when you're like, Oh, I don't want to hear about this bad beat. Like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't care about what happened in your tournament. Like, but you know, at the end of the day, that's what. When someone's been doing that all day and they're frustrated, they've gone and played a live tournament, they've got knocked out with an hour to go. You have to try and put yourself in their shoes. And how would you feel if that happened to you? Like, if if the other person's just not not interested in your story and just like that's going to make them feel ten times worse. So yeah. you just have to like remember like um, that you care about them and like maybe if you don't care about some poker story, sure, whatever, but like you, you have to care about it because like it's what they've been doing all yeah. day and like they're obviously emotionally invested in that. Yeah, it's probably um, easier in a lot of ways because at least they understand too. It's like, you know, they, my wife, if I lose Kings to ASAC in a spot and a big deal, and it's like, she, she doesn't care. She just wants the result oriented, you know, like whatever happens. So it's got, it's kind of nice too. If you know, they get it, like how you're doing. Yeah. Like just through. even things like, when are you going to be done for the day? Like, you know, like she understands, Oh, I, I don't know that right now. It depends what happens in these tournaments. I can say I've stopped registering and then she'll realize, okay, he's not going to be all night or, you know, but yeah. it depends. Like, obviously I kind of want it to go on for longer because I want to do well in one of these last few tournaments. So yeah, yeah don't go making any plans. So. How is that time been? Cause you know, Pat, Patrick Leonard, who I respect a lot, good friend, and he's he's a great poker player. Some some just amazing the amount of work ethic. I would say you guys are similar in a lot of ways and the type of volume and what you've been you've accomplished in your careers. But um, you, you know that schedule is tough, right? To go to bed at five six a.m. if you go deep too, especially when you're having so much success, you're winning tournaments or final threes so often. You know, just one tournament can do that, right? From a from a Sunday that puts you up so late. How how, how has that been to adjust your schedule? And have you ever considered? Because you've, you've traveled the world, right? You go on vacations, you play at stops, tournament series. I'm sure you've played in other time zones for extended periods of time. Is Have you just got so used to the UK and how late that is? Or would you in a dream world be in the Eastern or, or even Vegas, for example, for a scheduled time zone? What, what is your preference and how has that been to adapt to the, the UK late nights? Yeah. Well, actually, I haven't lived in the UK for like a decade, basically. Okay. Yeah, like even before I met my wife and stuff, I moved. Um, I went to Australia, lived there for a bit, like got a different time zone because I just felt like it was so antisocial. And that was part of the reason that I was becoming just like all about poker and didn't even want to like go out and leave the house and stuff right. like that. So I switched before then. And then obviously when I met my wife, she's American. Um, so like we moved to California and had a house that we, we would go to like um, – play online series in like Vancouver or right. in uh, Playa del Carmen. So I used to go to either one of those places a lot when like Scoop or something like that was on. 
And even now I like, um, I bought a house in Mexico in uh, Puerto Vallarta. So I go there a lot if there's a big series on. So I like, I split my time between like Vegas, um, Mexico and back in uh, UK or Canada or somewhere like that. So I'm moving around a lot. Yeah. And also I know the times have switched. So people who do play in the UK, it's a bit of an earlier schedule now. But yeah, like if I go home, like I, I think I was like home for Scoop last year and I was home for a couple of weeks, was playing at my mom's house. And, you know, like three days into it, I was dying already just because of like the, the schedule. It's like so, um, so crazy. I'm not used to it anymore. Like just playing all through the night and then sort of sleeping when it's light outside and then getting back up and it's dark outside. It's quite lonely around. Like if you're not winning a poker, like it, basically becomes all about poker so like how you're doing at poker really reflects on your mood so yeah i think and the u.s too is if it's west coast east coast that's too if you get done it's like all right well on west coast you could actually you go to dinner still even if you win a tournament or it's late it can be seven eight nine o'clock you're done or something instead of um yeah the, the the late late night and it is it is tricky so that that's interesting that makes sense that you, you didn't yeah like if i'm playing in puerto Vallarta, i would start playing normally about 10 a.m unless it's a sunday then a bit earlier but 10 a.m so i would go out i'd hit the driving range beforehand play um normally like the day if it was day two tournaments they'd finish at like 7 p.m and then you still have time to go out and get dinner afterwards so you, it breaks up the day and you still like doing other stuff outside of poker so it's much more enjoyable and it doesn't just become all about poker so i like it when I, i'm grinding there for sure what what would you say right now pie chart of your time for for just poker online live what is you know factoring in travel or a series for a week like how much time in the year what, what are you playing live versus online um it just really depends like I, if i like see an event i want to play like i played the um pca this year just because i was okay obviously that 25k is massive like if i'm not in that i'm just gonna be sitting at home like huge fomo you know so yeah. i'm basically looking at the schedule like am i gonna get fomo if i'm not in this event or not um the World Series, I go hard every year. That's like, cause I'm not like, I, I I enjoy live poker, but I'm quite realistic. Like I hate day ones and that is a lot of live poker. You can't really expect to be deep in the tournament. Yeah, that's exciting for everyone. So you have to think about what you're, when you play live poker, you know, like 90% of the time you're playing day one or early on day two, you're not in the money. It's not, you know, it's, that's the grind of it. And um, you get, you know, like you get knocked out. It's a lot more emotionally taxing than saying you're playing online. You've got you've got 10 tables going anyway. So you get knocked out one, you're only playing it for a couple of hours. So you're not really, you're like what, no big deal kind of thing. Whereas you're playing live, you've been playing this tournament for a few days and then you're knocked out and then you've got to start another one from scratch. It's like a bit more. So the world series is the time just because I love the history of the world series and I uh, want to do the best, you know, like I want to in 30 years time, I want to look at my world series record and be like really proud of it. And like, so world series every year I go hard and playing like most days I I'll still, I know myself. So I'll like, I won't be there at the start of every tournament. I'm sure I'm missing up on some EV against like some weaker players. But I know if I got there at 12 for the first hand every tournament and I didn't cash or didn't go deep in the tournament, I'd be like moaning about how unlucky I was or I, like I was like winning all these pots and then I just lost the flip or I ran kings into ace, whatever. Whereas if I get there a few hours in, you know, I'm still coming in with like 40, 50, 40 blinds, it's fine. Um, every pot matters, so I'm not on my phone when I'm playing, so I'm just trying to concentrate and like, I feel like I'm playing catch up, so I try harder if that makes sense. And also, if I do get knocked out, I'm like, well, you know, maybe I didn't, you know, I don't feel like uh, unlucky as much because I'm like, well, I got there late, so, you know, maybe, I, you know. So uh, I, I know myself that if I was there every day playing from the start, that I would get a lot of burnout by, you know, by week two or week three if I hadn't made any deep runs. So uh, that's the way I like to approach it.
And during your WSOP regimen, are you generally going all out every day, wake up, play if you bust, or do you kind of select events and a schedule and take days off throughout? Um, I won't generally take the whole day off, but like I'll go and do stuff in the morning. I like to like maybe either go and play pickleball, play golf, do something in the morning and then come in, maybe say the tournament started at 12 or come in at like um, 3 p.m., play a couple of hours before dinner, break it up a bit. So I'm like, okay, I'll play, you know, two hours before dinner and then have dinner like with friends and then, you know, hopefully play till day two. And if not, then maybe meet up with people, have a drink, not like go crazy, but have a couple of drinks and come back the next day. So I won't normally take like a whole day off, but I'll, I won't basically play a full day unless I'm on day two and I'm forced to be there at 12. Kind of thing. And and what do you think of the now? I mean, Poker Go has these series. They're, they're unbelievable at the, you know, there it's at the studio, Poker Go studio, well, the 10Ks, 25s, all these. And then there's Triton, you know, the unbelievable series that they put on across the world with the, the production and the quality of the game and stuff. And you mentioned, though, you've had so much success and you kind of like the bigger fields. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, it seems like, um, you know, I, don't, I like I don't I have I've done the commentary that's a lot of stops. I haven't seen you at the Triton. Is that something is that on? Is, is, I won't say a goal, but is that something you would look to do or you just you have such a sweet niche and you just crush what you're doing? Is it like I, why battle? against these guys in these spots like give me your thoughts on the high stakes sort of life yeah um no obviously like it's a weird thing because i feel like if triton came out maybe like when i was like 15 years ago i would be all about it i'd be like getting in everyone and like be like yeah sell some action get in there but now i don't really like to sell that much unless um you know so i like to just have most of the action myself and uh i don't like the stress of for me it's a weird like if i lose 20k in a day it's like way worse to me than winning like 50k is good if that makes sense like even though it's you know more money but like that's why i kind of stopped playing cash games when i, I grew up in cash games and i got to a level and i was like oh like you know you, you're playing like 10 20 and you're like okay now what do i just keep going higher and then yeah you're playing better players you know that you know it doesn't matter how good you are you're still going to have big swings and i just don't like the big swings of it all like i had had a lot of big swings when i was back in like too many players and stuff like that so now i don't like the stress of it um i kind of just like playing my sort of schedule that i know i can crush and uh take some shots in some like huge value ones like sure like you know i play the 25k pca that has a thousand runners that you know that has a lot of people that shouldn't be in that tournament necessarily um but then like you're playing like a you know a 25k triumph with 100 people you know that most of those people uh are really good players and you're going to battle and that's fine but i um like you know maybe if i got in for a satellite i would I'd play like i know acr has some satellites to them online and also um phil Nagy's running this crazy competition um for the last ones where um a couple of the pros get to go for free so i mean it's like a 100k package sure i'm not i'm not going to turn that down if it's a free roll and stuff like that but yeah. um yeah i just don't like to put out my money for it and then i also don't like to sell and um also those you know then you have to be a lot more careful about um how you're playing because you're playing against the same people all the time so you have to switch up your game and then then you start it's a weird thing where if you're switching up your game that you've found to be really successful recently and you start doubting these new things you're learning because you haven't implemented them in your game. So I, I like to just um, stick to what I know a bit more. And maybe it's like a just thing when you get older, you're like uh, happier with what you're doing. Um, but yeah, back in the day when I first started playing poker and was doing really well, I play like, you know, I play the 25K heads up at the World Series and I wouldn't play heads up <laughs> the rest of the year. And I would be in those tournaments where, yeah, I was probably a losing player and I wouldn't even care about it. Um, but now it's like when you, you see what you can do with money in the real world and stuff like that, it's like, uh, 
I don't want to put, I don't, I don't want the hassle of it and the stress of it. So I kind of stick, stay away unless uh, a really good spot comes up. For sure. And tell me about the, the Mormons book of poker, which you, I believe was 2014 did. And maybe it was through D and B. I know those guys. And I believe that was where you published your book. Tell me about that experience uh, to do a book. Was it fun? Was it challenging? Is was it, would you do another one? Yeah, it was, it was very challenging. Um, I kind of like went into it. Um, my, my wife, Kate, convinced me to do it. I don't think I would have done it without her, but she was like, oh, you should like take yourself out of your comfort zone a bit. And like, once you do it, I think you'll be proud of doing it. And it helped that um, one of the guys, Dan, who I wrote it with, he did half the, He it, it was basically that one was his, half of his hands. It was his hands that he played. And I basically um, gave him like a coaching report on some of them. So some of the ones he actually played really well, I actually had to take out because I didn't know as much to say. So I felt bad because I only left the, the hands that he, he botched up <laughs> in there. Um, but yeah, that helped because I had something to go off. So I wasn't starting from scratch. And I still think like it was quite intimidating because I think I had to write like 50,000 words, you know, and I hadn't, oh. hadn't done anything like that since I was at school. Like, well, it was that a little bit tricky too? Cause like, it's sort of, you know, it's like to do, get your name out there. It's cool. It's nice to have, but also realizing like that time you're spending like, man, I, I maybe I'm missing some poker. I want to play live or online or other free time. Was that, was that a bit of a sort of a FOMO situation too? Cause you, to understand what the risk, what you're, what you're giving up the opportunity cost or, or looking back, are you just glad you did it? Cause it's now you have it and it's done. No, it was actually a time I was going for a really uh, tough period in poker. Actually, I just dropped all of my horses. At one point I was back in 30 players all by myself and it, it had been like ups and downs. And then like basically everyone went down at the same point and I kind of like should have got out way earlier than I had. And I, um, you know, it was like, oh, it will turn around. Someone will win something and then, you know, no one won anything. And then I realized, oh, shit, I like lost basically like, n you know, 90 plus percent of my bankroll. So I'm starting sort of back from the bottom and I thought it would be fun uh, playing lower stakes and, um, you know, building it back where every sort of win mattered in like lower stake tournaments. And I could, you know, like own people a lot more because they weren't as good. And, you know, it was only a couple of month period, but like I was just kind of running deep in these tournaments, coming 12th, 13th. And it's really frustrating, especially when you're playing like a $10 rebuy online, there's 5,000 people in it and you come like 12th or 13th for nothing. And you know that the whim would suddenly, okay, you can jump up again. So I took a year off. I didn't really play much live. I played lower stakes. And the first few months I was just kind of, I thought I'd enjoy it, but I really didn't because I was like, had a lot of FOMO from like missing live tournaments. I saw other people um, who I thought was I was better than like winning big tournaments and I was like struggling and I was just on, you know, I definitely wasn't playing my best as well. It started affecting me. So uh, like it, basically this opportunity came to me where it was like guaranteed money. I could do this thing and like I could take a little break from my tournaments as well and like reset my mindset and go from there. So I, I, did, I basically took a small break from poker just for like a couple of months, only playing maybe like Sundays and stuff. And uh worked on this and then had a better perspective coming back and um actually went on a nice upswing after that so it helped me sort of see the bigger picture and uh because it was quite hard because like you know i know my dad like had always been like oh you should invest in my houses but i didn't know where i wanted to live and i didn't want to invest in stuff outside of poker because i didn't know much about it and i didn't want to bring out in outside help maybe which maybe wasn't very smart but i thought i knew poker really well so i was backing all these people and it was going well for a while and then like i just basically took on too much and put myself in a bad spot and it kind of all came tumbling down and I felt a bit stupid about it all. So, so yeah, I just had to reset and it felt a bit weird because, you know, you see like, you know, everywhere you go, you're reminded like, Oh, you won this and what did you do with the money? And you're like, 
well, I, I lost it, but it wasn't me losing it. It was other people, but it was technically me losing it because I was managing it all and I just what, managed it. Really what bad. was the peak of amount of people you were you were backing or, or dealing with? Like how many? Um, probably about 35 pe different people, um, like probably two thousand were like American and obviously Black Friday, like messed a lot of that up. Um, I had to like write off a lot of makeup, a lot of people, you know, I had other people still steal money from, cause I wasn't very good at like, basically I should have employed an assistant. I tried to do everything myself and, uh, <laughs> cut, cut corners. And, uh, uh, that would be something that'd be the only thing I changed. Like I wouldn't not do it because I had a lot of amazing experiences from it and I met a lot of amazing people and friends from it. But, um, yeah, going back, I would definitely have hire some outside help to run things because I was still trying to play like, you know, my 16 tables at a time back then, like way more tables and send people money. And I was, you know, coach. Me that, that had to be crazy because then it was like when you're doing that, you're actually you're almost never off. Right. Because like if you had 35 guys across multiple sites, there's a good chance almost every day there's sweat so like you're watching or you're out yeah, yeah i was watching it's, final tables i'm yeah. also like you know people have life problems come up and trying to help them with that so it's a lot of outside you know like people these you know they weren't just horses as well most of my friends as well so i was trying to be there for them as well and like yeah, yeah basically i slept and played poker for like do you, do you play mixed games much i thought somehow you dove into that a little bit do you play any mixed games plo no not really i play plo but like you know i'll I play maybe the biggest buy-in. I mean, one year I actually came like seventh in the 5K6 max of the World Series, but I was looking around and I felt like the fish there, you know. <laughs> like a couple of times the dealer would deal out two cards and stuff and I'd be like, yeah, that's good. Let's play Hold'em. Let's, but, do, uh, let's do a round, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, now I play like, you know, like maybe like 2K PLOs and stuff like that, but I wouldn't play my, you know, I still, I enjoy the game, but I, I wouldn't say I'm an expert. At it. And then like other games, definitely not, you know, I've, I've won like some horse tournaments before online, but you know, like small stakes. And so I, just so much time to, to put into it and obviously like really the world series is when the only time i'd use it and also then when the world series is on i kind of like having the option to have a day off or like go and play a, a tournament of the win or something like that you know whereas if you're playing mixed games it's just non-stop you bust the tournament you jump in the next one so right. it's not even like one tournament a day it's like three tournaments a day and yeah, like i think that would just be too much for me it's kind of crazy how have you dealt with you remember was there ever a period specifically remember where online you know, live. Okay. Sure. That what it happened. But what about like a downswing online where like you really, it was just like, you said you expect to break even or win almost always. And then, you know, Sundays in a row or, or weeks are going by where it's not going well. Did you ever have like a noticeable down period? Um, yeah. Like I had, um, it was shortly after I got rid of all my horses as well. Like, so I had, I was struggling a lot online. Um, the game was changing obviously. And I'd have to, you know, I, the game was always changing, but this time I was struggling to like, pinpoint where i was losing out and like um actually like reached out to not a lot of people know this but I actually reached out to patrick leonard because he's someone i respected and uh I knew he, like he was running his huge stable at the time and i knew he knew all about like poker tracker stats and stuff like that um and i was like kind of a fish in poker track i used it i especially oh, i used it when i first started for cash games and then i'd gone through a phase where i just didn't use a hard and then i was like back and forth on a hard so I didn't know exactly what numbers you wanted where and how, you know, like where I was leaking massively from just looking at my database. And I remember him like putting up a post just for like 500 bucks or something. Oh, send me your like database and I'll look through it and see what, you know, I can fix some of your stuff. And I was like, well, what's the harm in you doing it? You know, obviously like you're giving up some EV to someone you're playing against, like, you know, sometimes, but you know, tournament fields are so big. Um, it's not really a big deal.
if you're ever with him you know he knows and then you maybe actually do yeah of course you're gonna get in some weird spots after that but you know yeah, the, your game's still constantly changing for sure and so yeah I, I did that and i was like okay i'll try anything at this point because you know i just it wasn't even more about the money it was just like just hate losing <laughs> so like yeah. i was like why you know, why am i getting beat up at that point like i felt like i it, like there's definitely times when you feel like okay i'm just running bad but at that point as well i felt like i wasn't playing good as well so that's like that hasn't happened too often for a long period of time in my career but like i felt at that moment i wasn't running good i wasn't playing well i got like every time i went, went to register i was like not feeling confident so i was like i need to fix something i need to do something drastic so i was like okay fuck it so i sent him sent him the like the hands over and he like came back with like a, a bunch of detailed notes like like he does you know it's, it's not someone who does something half assed patrick so yeah. he sent me a thing and i looked at it all and i was like wow and so i you know made some adjustments and then quickly after that i went on a nice upswing and you know obviously that helped and definitely helped my confidence as well which you know helped me play better as well so yeah like that was what? definitely a tough time where i was like give me an example on there what was it like big blind defense or frequencies what, what was something that was stood um out? yeah I, I definitely like he big blind was the thing that i was leaking a lot from at that point because um maybe i was under defending um because back when i first started playing like it was you know if you almost didn't want to call the big blind it was like right. you saw you, you you saw someone defend like king four officer against a late position open and uh they instantly got the fish tag that was just like what are you doing like you just you you've already put yeah you're doubling your losses on this orbit like you, you know you check folded like of course you check folded you didn't hit much you didn't hit anything right you know? like just so yeah so like obviously and i didn't have the experience of playing from the big blind with a lot of these weaker holdings so then um it was an adjustment to like play almost you know out of position more without the lead so there was definitely like a learning curve with that kind of stuff um and then conversely, then other things you were like, you know, he was like, oh, wow, you're doing really well in this respect. Like, and you're like, okay, so it gives you a confidence boost in that thing. Cause obviously all the stuff I wasn't, I hadn't suddenly like forgotten how to play poker. But it was just some things that were coming up that I'd sort of had bad old habits and I'd stuck with them and I hadn't really adjusted. Yeah. That, and, and what about live, uh, this WSOP main event? I want to know about this. So you get second, you, you know, you were, this was 2011. You said you almost, you basically were winning player of the year. And then Ben Lamb sort of miracled the live, uh, Vegas final table. But what, what was this like playing against Elio Fox heads up for, for the title? Did you guys make any deals? Did you, you know, Elio and, and what was this like this experience at the final table for such huge money? Yeah, this is a crazy experience. Cause obviously this would come just straight after the world series as well. So I had a really good world series. So I wasn't feeling any pressure um uh, money wise and stuff and like live i'd had like a lot of success already this year so i was feeling really confident and obviously it's a really tough tournament the world series poker europe you know it's um a lot more higher number percentage of pros and i remember from like day two onwards me jake cody um and elio had all gone to dinner to the same spot and we end up final tabling together but like from day two onwards maybe there was like 300 left at this point and maybe there was a couple of other people going and they were still in and then they drop out but we we're like we had to keep going back to the same dinner place and then like you know now we're on the final table and we're still going for dinner with each other um just kind of like a home game almost and uh yeah and then me and elio get heads up actually elio ended up taking jake out on a really bad beat and then the, me and elio got heads up and uh we ended up doing a deal anyway but I, obviously you really wanted to win, especially after I'd come second in the World Series uh, just before that as well. So I really wanted to win and get my first bracelet. Like, um, but yeah, he kind of just owned me in a couple of crucial parts, heads up. 
But I remember the next tournament, like straight from there, it's like it doesn't stop, you know, like straight after was San Remo. So um, like we go over, like I think I've got taxi over because like 45 minutes from Cannes to San Remo. But I actually had like a, I swapped out a decent amount of uh, percentages with people. So I just got the money in cash, like, you know, like I think it was 800,000 euros. And I just had it all in the, the, the uh, 500 purple notes in my backpack. <laughs> just going around with this like stopping off at mcdonald's and stuff i was like oh, if only people knew i'd so like you know i could easily get robbed in and then i like go to the tournament I'm handing out the money and then actually on day one of the ebt i doubled up early which was nice and elio came over to my table and he just drops off like um a brown paper bag with like the deal money that we'd had for the first or second and i'm like well, don't give it to me now i've got a whole day so i was like well i've already doubled up blinds are low so i go back to the hotel drop it off in the safe but i'm rushing back obviously because i want to get back i don't want to miss too many hands uh finished play for the day go out that night and then i'm like okay i'll check the safe just before i go to bed but i'm obviously a bit drunk at this point as well and i can't get into the safe and then i start panicking i'm calling downstairs but no one speaks english all italian i don't know a single word of italian obviously uh -oh. and in the end they get they get the message across that the manager is the only person who can open the safe and they won't be there till the morning so i'm just there up all night um sleeping like well not sleeping at all obviously sharing my like the only person who knew the code was um Taylor Parr, who was like a good friend of mine who was sharing the room with me. And I was like, well, if you told someone and they took the money and you're still here, it's quite a good hustle anyway, so respect. But like, <laughs> but I was like, there's only one code it could be and it was not working. I was like, well, what the hell's going on here? And anyway, they came, I was just thinking about how stupid it's gonna be if I lost this money. I wasn't, <laughs> like everyone's never gonna let me forget it. And then uh, in the morning they opened it up and they're not allowed to look in the safe. So they kind of opened it up and said like, and I just had the huge sweat of, and luckily it was all there. But I was, wow. you know, I was like, <laughs> like 800,000. It was actually, it was probably like a million euros at that point. So I was like, oh my God, if I just lose wow. it. Well, yeah, crypto, you know, now Luxon Pay, Coin Rivet. Yeah, yeah, about that, you just carry it around in cash. And it it, it is a lot different, but that was, and those are sweats and these, exactly, in hotels, what, what they can do or don't do, people know. Like, yeah, I mean, I could easily like just, I was in such a rush. I could have just forgot to lock the safe, you know, and suddenly someone walks in there like, what, how can they not take it, you know? Yeah. And and speaking of second and that sweat, and again, make a deal. So obviously trophies are nice. Bracelets are nice. Big money is nice. But here you do get it done for seven figures. And this was, was this around the time of the book or had you already written your book? I can't remember. It was. This, this was, um, I think it was just after I'd written the first one, but I hadn't okay. written the second one. 2014 um, though. Yeah. yeah, this was, but this was like, this was just after I'd taken my big break from live poker, I was in my downswing and this was basically my first tournament back. I'd, um, I'd started working with a mind coach that my wife had sort of put me onto. He'd been, he'd been working with Liv Barry. I mean, it was funny. I, I only did it really to appease her first. Cause I was, she was like, you're becoming sort of miserable to be around and you know, huh. and like, you're just becoming a negative person. Honest, never, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd never been a negative person really. So I was like, Oh God, really? Like, and obviously it's hard to like, think he's i'm like no i'm not really and she's like no you are so i was like okay right. I, was, I was like okay i'll go and meet this guy so i met this guy he's a british guy as well so it made it easier but like it's weird because british people don't like to talk about their feelings and stuff it's just i don't know it's in our heritage uh but anyway i was playing online at the time in vancouver and he was out there to visit a friend and like he, he agreed to meet me like I, you know no strings attached basically so i met him in a hotel room just chatted to him and instantly i was opening up up to him about stuff that you know i hadn't told anyone before you know just like stuff as a kid that stuff gone on whatever and i felt like a really good connection i was like okay I'll, I'll go and talk to him a few more times and the only reason originally like i spoke to him is because i think he'd started working with livery and 
uh katie was like okay well lives cash the last free 10k since she started working and i was like oh wow cash free in a row i was like it's not like she's even won any of them but like yeah but anyway i was like okay whatever I'll, I'll i'll just go and i just did it to almost just make her happy but i didn't think anything would come of it and instantly i was like able to sort of even stuff i hadn't didn't think i had an issue with i was like talking to him about like it was like stuff from like just my childhood whatever and i felt better about things i felt more positive and I went on a nice upswing in that. I think it was like one of the last F-tops they had. I, I, you know, went on a really nice streak online. And I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to go back in the live arena. So I went and played the one in LA and I had a house in LA at the time that I was living in. So it felt like a home sort of event. And yeah, I mean, I just, every, you know, obviously, obviously it didn't help me win races and stuff like that, but I just felt like I was running good. I felt good in my game. And then seven days later, it was like a weird, every day was quite short as well. It's one of those tournaments where there's no dinner break. So we'd sort of play a few hours, come home and reset, come again the next day. And suddenly I'm at the final table and then, you know, now I'm heads up and I'm like, okay, this time, this time I can't lose. Like I've come second a few times now and like I'm starting to get shit from my friends from it. And uh, I was like, this one, I feel like I'm, I'm going to get it done. And I, yeah, I got over the line, won it. And it was just like, Felt so good because I waited so long for that. You know, I had I had big scores, but this one felt different because um, at that point as well, I wasn't backing any horses. So it wasn't like, okay, suddenly this million dollars I win, I'm suddenly going to be sending out 20K here, 20K there. I'm like, okay, that's for me now. And I can sort of build a future with that and and go from there and like become a real person rather than this sort of online guy who's just throwing money away everywhere and like losing stuff. And yeah. so, yeah, and it was like a lot of... Um, you know it was a tough year before that so it felt even better like so yeah very very nice yeah it's nice winning winning is nice right it does it's different the trophy the title the prestige extra money of course and you know, yeah it doesn't happen very often so you gotta enjoy it when you do you know it is crazy tournament poker life's tough right because there's very few far between you win actually win even i mean in your case some of the most wins i think you have like online is like over 1100 top threes and this was this was from notes a while ago probably way more and even unrecorded or other names from in the past or whatever right whatever pocket fives uh tracks but yeah it's it is uh it's a it's a hard way to make easy living and it's it's definitely an interesting it's an interesting game uh, would you say you wouldn't trade for anything in the world because i mean say you're there's things to be traders or doing other stuff uh, give me give me a bit of how much you love poker and do you think you'll play for further like forever at some some degree or fashion you'll play some poker do you see yourself slowing down at all or do you always see kind of going hard for the time being? And um, yeah, I mean, I still, I, I think myself, like I actually don't go that hard. And now my friends like, how are you still playing like so much volume and whatever? Like, I mean, um, I just love it. I enjoy it. So if I'm not, if I don't have plans, if I'm not doing something that um, I'm really interested in, then I don't like to just sit around and like watch TV or, or like, I like to be sort of doing something. So yeah, I'll, I won't, you know, other than Sunday, like Sunday has to be something, you know, it's got to be someone's wedding or something for me to miss a Sunday. Yeah. Um, but the rest of the week, if there's stuff going on, then yeah, I'll take a day off. But if there's nothing going on, I'm, I'd much rather just play some poker. Um, I really enjoy it. Like the way I approach it now though, is like, I want to look at the schedule and okay, there's a couple of tournaments I'm excited about either online or live. So I have to be excited about it. I can't just be like, Oh, I'm turning up because I feel like I have to. So I, I just I only play when I want to, but luckily most of the time I want to play. So I still end up putting a lot of volume um yeah all my friends joke that I, I love the game so much i'm always like i randomly like watch final tables that um i only know one person that i just i just like picking up watching a lot of poker learning like different thinking about different things that i could implement stuff like that so i i, I do i genuinely love the game i mean i've been in it for like 
approaching you know like approaching 20 years now so it's like half my life i've spent playing poker so i can't really imagine not playing it like i feel like i'll play the world series main event every yeah. year until i can't but obviously i won't be playing um uh, maybe as much online or or whatever but i still think i'll be playing a decent amount more than the average person basically I asked you about online poker. What do you think the state of live poker right now, especially spending a lot of time in Vegas, there's series, there's WPTs doing crazy events now. Obviously, the World Series coming up again. Seems like it was just just recently, but it's around the corner again. How do you feel live poker is in, in the health of the game? And the numbers, you know, obviously are great. Do you feel like there's a nice cycle of new players in the game? They're still pretty soft-ish, or do you feel like they've gotten tougher because now the quality just by default's better? And there's there's more great players like well, give me like a give me live poker 2023 versus yeah. live poker 2015 or 14 for example yeah i think i think live poker is still booming like it's just you know record numbers wherever you go like in europe in america like all around the world there's tournaments um i think a lot of time now when you get deeper in life tournaments that they're, they're tougher like people know icm a lot better um they're not just going to punt off their chips as much as often as back in the day uh you know like you see a lot more kg final tables um people aren't making as obvious mistakes but you know day one day two of the tournament you still pe see people maybe because they don't care as much you know like once they get like they try and play better when they get deep you know but like day one day two they're still in there just doing silly things just for the story kind of thing like <laughs> yeah you know yeah or, or exactly they got a, they got a dinner they're in yeah. Vegas. It's like, oh, I'm with my buddies. Like, I'm going to play a 10K. These guys, you see them and they're like, they're just doing something insane. Right. Yeah. Know. 10K to them, it might not really matter. So, like, they don't they don't care until they, obviously, you know, now suddenly they're on day four. They're going to, you know, they put a lot of time into it. They're going to try a lot harder. But, yeah. yeah, I still think live poker will always be really good value. Whereas online, you know, it's obviously going to continue to get tougher and tougher as there's more, um, you know, information out there, like solvers and programs that people can use to work on their game. Whereas live, I think there's so much, there's a lot more variables. Like, you know, you, you can use a solver, but like you're playing against some guy who's not playing the range and it's, it's kind of irrelevant. So um, you have to like go in there with game plans against different types of opponents. And I, that's why I, I do enjoy the battle of live poker when I'm in the right mindset for it. But, um, you know, you just have to have different strategies against different players. So it's quite unpredictable and exciting like to, to try new stuff. And it like, it reminds me a bit of how, poker was when i first started playing because you can you you can do a lot of stuff different stuff and you can um, justify it whereas now online if you get caught doing something that's technically bad everyone's like why'd you do that and like oh you're a fish or whatever you know um whereas live you can have a lot more reasons for doing stuff against different players because um you know people are playing so differently yeah that, that makes a lot of sense and, and i do want to ask you you're actually the perfect example here because here we go right here you won two bracelets one's live one's online of course gg poker offers the online bracelets as well as for out of the country and in the u.s there's the jersey nevada where you can win was yours on gg or was this in one of the, the online and no this one was um in on the wsp.com in vegas yeah okay. yeah and i think i did come second in like a gg one as well like i've Quite a few seconds tell me what you believe if a, if a bracelet live is is a 100 out of 100 where do you calibrate the online do you think it's the exact same you're probably the perfect person to ask playing so much live and online in terms of skill prestige but also just the fact of like does it count in theory because i mean it counts of course but right. where, where do you gauge it um i actually gauge it 
pretty low. Like, I mean, I also do think it depends which bracelet you win, you know, like say I won the um, GG main event bracelet when they had that and it was huge, you know. Um, so I think it does, I think the online one depends a lot about the amount of money you win for it. And like the, the you know, like the one I got second in was also a really good one as a, a 5K6 handed one. So like if I'd won that one, I would have put it up there with my 3K6 max live because, it, you know, it felt like a tough tournament. I really battled for it. Um, and it, you know, like it was a lot of big swings on the final table. Whereas the one I won was 800 turbo. So it's kind of like, yeah, I won a lot of all-ins when it mattered. Um, obviously, you know, I played smart to get there. I mean, I didn't play bad, but, I, you know, I had to have a lot of variance on my, you know, I had to win all-ins. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't nearly the same amount of money as the other one as well. And, you know, you, you played for a few hours rather than a few days. So, and, you, you know, when you win it, I, I think my friend was, it was kind of crazy as well because my friend was over playing and he final table as well. So, like, he was there and we were like, you know, we'd swapped a piece or whatever and we had, you know, we were celebrating, but it wasn't anywhere near the same as when you win the live one at like 3 a.m. in the morning and you all go out afterwards and end up in wherever, spearing around or whatever, you know, um, and you put so much into it and like um, everyone's cheering on the rail. So it's, it's very different. Like obviously at the end of the day, it still counts, I think, but like I wouldn't put it anywhere as close. And like, I'm glad that the first one I won was live rather than online because it would have felt not as is definitely not as real for, for sure yeah i think that um, that's that's we're, we're aligned on that I, I agree i think it's cool and it's nice they do it it's it adds some probably extra juice you know to the, the prize pools and excitement and it's fun but it is a little bit i almost think it should be an asterisk not saying it doesn't count just sort of yeah. like a note that hey that like this is you know at some point there are gonna be so many lot online awarded as well that it'd be kind of nice to know like which is which is which but you know at the same time it's a lot of players generally right you are beating a lot of players online you can even argue is tougher in some ways and yeah and i mean every time they do have an online bracelet event if i'm able to play it i'm gonna play it you know like whereas sometimes if it's not got a bracelet I, you know I'm, i don't really care so i'm still trying to win it like i'm still like in yeah. theory it counts but like it's not the same feeling yeah absolutely and and what was uh tell me about meeting your your wife when you would you know did you guys meet playing poker mutual friends what was that like and and and, and you know that seems that's a big deal right so you got married and it's it's different than being with your boys on trips and just yeah. roaming the world. What what was that experience like? And and tell me about the when you guys you know you knew you were getting married. Yeah, it was kind of crazy because um, at that time I just started um, working out with Jason Kuhn. Like I was living in Cyprus, and um, I living, guess you were that, living in Cyprus. Yeah. What? So, yeah, I like living? rented a house out there, and I had um, a few of my horses, American horses, who uh, played for me before Black Friday came out there to work off some huh. makeup. And so there was like five of us. And then the first, we had it, had it for a year. The first six months, there was like five of us. And then a couple of people got homesick or whatever. They decided to go back home. So I had a couple of spaces. And uh, that January, like New Year's resolution come about, I'm still sort of there eating like pizza every day and like not going to the gym, like feeling not great about myself. But at least now I'm like surrounding myself with like my friends and stuff. So it's a bit better than just grinding on my own. But still, I was like, oh, I need to like, you know, work on myself. But um, yeah, one day I just sort of randomly like wrote Jason Kuhn a message on Facebook. I didn't know him that well at the time. And I was like, oh, would you be interested in coming out to Cyprus, playing some EPTs and uh, basically like being our personal trainer and chef and like working out some kind of, of a deal? and before i knew it he was like i've already booked my flight he didn't you know and he was there and i couldn't i was like oh dear what have i got myself into and he, like every day we're going to the gym 
didn't drink for like three months straight. Like, um, you know, didn't eat fruit after 7 p.m. Like it was a complete lifestyle change. It's kind of like, I guess what Sean D is going to have to do now with his weight loss. Just was going to ask about that. Which side do you like in that? Um, it's a hard one because I feel like Sean Dave's that one of those guys, a bit like Timex, who never loses the bet. But like, it is going to be probably the hardest bet he ever does. Look, I, look, I did the I, I the Jamie Staples Vat Staples where they had to switch weights and that. I bet on that, and like I, I'll just tell you in general, I think it's true. In these spots, you always got to bet on the man. But I mean, Doug Polk, look, I think he just narrowly lost, right? And one, yeah. I thought there's no way he's going to lose. I would have bet. I actually been busy. I would have loved to put some side action on that. I think you know. But still, he would count that as a big win, and it got close, and it was like put him in great shape. But yes, I think in general you got to bet on the man. I don't know though, man. This one is doesn't feel easy. It's Sean Deeb, it's like plays so much poker. He's got a lot of kids, and that's yeah. that is a that is not an easy task. Well, I don't say he's not. It's not twelve percent either though, right? Seventeen is like a little more like, you know, you could find right. a way. It's so, not like life or death. Well, not in, well, might be, but it's not. It's not like the hundred k to him. If he loses that, he's lost that before. You know, he's lost that in tournaments. It's not like he needs the, the money per se. So it's like if he has, he has to have the motivation for the right reasons. And obviously, he's never wanted to do it before. So is yeah, it can go either way. Like I could, I can see yeah. arguments for both sides. Yeah, but at this point, it's really losing a million, right? Because you have to win, and it's real, and you don't have anyone having a piece of it. You know, you could, I guess, sell some of your bet if you're not sure and give your friend some action at that. But it just seems like such a, yeah, I think the odds are closer to 50-50, right? So if you're getting 10 to 1, it's like, yeah. it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty no, good It's pretty spot. good for 10 to 1 for sure. But, yeah. but um, yeah, and, and what about you for any tricks for online poker with back, like sitting so much in chairs, you know, do you use any support? Do you do any, 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 any uh, online kind of things that you, you would suggest that people are sitting uh, all day that are just there? Like any, any tricks you got? No, I have the worst posture ever. Like my wife's always coming in and going, you're going to need to lean back in your chair more. You're going to like, when you're 60 years old, you're going to like have, be like, have a hunchback and whatever. But like, I luckily, I don't, you know, like a lot of people get massages all the time. I never like touch wood, like very, very rarely have like, um, back issues or anything yep. like that. So I'm, I'm quite fortunate. I try and stay active, like playing different sports and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, fortunately, like um, my my eyes, my, that's the one thing that did, like, I think a lot of it was online poker. Like I had to wear glasses as a kid anyway, but my eyes really deteriorated a lot. And to the point, I did, but I went and got LASIK and it like changed my life kind of thing. Like it was really like, uh, I didn't realize how bad my eyesight was until I could actually see again. So. That How was, was that? that? That was that scary. I mean, that seems like a pretty intense. Um, yeah, like I, that's like one of my biggest phobias. Like as a kid, I'd have to go to these eye doctors at like seven years old, and uh, they put eye drops in. I hate eye drops more than anything in the world. And I have like three adults holding me down, and I'd be like screaming at them, like I'd rather you break my arm than do this, and like um, crying and whatever. And uh, so yeah, to actually go and do that, I kind of just went for a, like a consultation and. They had an opening the next day so i just said like fuck it do it the next day so i don't have time to like worry about it and the actual process wasn't too bad like it, but i definitely had a, little, a lot of fear of it and if i had waited like a week in between i might have not gone through with it but yeah it was definitely one of the things i was I glad i did but, but yeah, yeah that's a that's that's a and what's the most what's the most hours continuously played you have some record online where you just went nuts whether it was cash games grinding you want to set prove something any challenges number of um, i think i was trying to do like a i was trying to i didn't at various points i was trying to do like a certain like crazy like you know like 48 hours of tournaments in a row or something like that but i didn't actually the one crazy prop that i really did uh did was just that 
I wanted to win a tournament in a day. So I basically got odds on it. And I, I didn't like it was just a random Wednesday, like back when I was playing every day. And like um, I didn't didn't want to play that day, but I had nothing better to do. So I just was like, I need some action. I need something to do. There's no special tournaments on. So I need to do something. So I put up some action on Pocket Five and said, anyone interested? And before I knew it, um, remember what's his name? Have a calm from back in the day. He like wanted to bet 20K on it. And so I ended up having to cap the action, but I had a lot on it. I think if I, uh, I got like two and a half to one on it, but it had to be over a hundred runners in this, in, in the tournament. And uh, I actually ended up winning one of my early tournaments. It was a 10K guaranteed 109. So it normally gets a hundred runners, but it got an overlay. So I only got 92 runners. And I realized that, you know, quickly early on, I was like, oh, I don't need this table space. <laughs> And it wasn't like a huge tournament. So I was like trying to get rid of it, shoved a few times. Now suddenly I like got lucky and trebled up and ended up winning the tournament, but it didn't count. Is, is that's I, interesting. That happened to me early on, not winning, but like a spot where the same thing, I kind of had to go out and I actually was like really didn't care. And it wasn't, and I got so aggressive and I like just started winning so many chips and like, yeah, so many things like, yeah, maybe, you know, this is tight. Then maybe I should just loosen up a bit. You realize the power of uh, aggression, but yeah, that's funny, right? That's sort of how. Yeah. So, but then I played like a whole full session, like, you know, I was running bad, whatever. I didn't have that many sweats. And then suddenly I think it was the late full tilt 50, 50, it was called like $50 tournament, but it was a huge feel. So it's like, well, the chance of this one, suddenly I'm down to the final two tables and it's basically looking as my only shot. And now it's like 6am in the UK. So I'm getting tired. And um, I remember someone was on the rail, like telling like, other players <laughs> like i guess maybe they had some action they were like trying to tell other players he's shoving any two cars against you blind on blind here call him like in the in the chat because that was when you could still chat like yeah, yeah. other people were playing and i get to the final table and i ended up i remember like four bet shoving into it like got it in real bad like free-handed like maybe something like queen 10 suit into queens and i just like the sun was coming up and i realized like i think if i won the bet i would have won like 80k and instead I uh, maybe lost like 25, 25, 30K, something like that. And I'd lost maybe like 5K in the session, maybe a bit more in the session. Yeah. I was just, I had that sinking feeling. I was like, damn, I lost. And then my 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 housemate got up for work and he was like, how did it go? He goes, normally when you're up at this time, it's a good sign. I was like, oh, it's a really bad sign tonight. He was like, oh, it's only a Wednesday. How could you have lost so much on a Wednesday? I was like, well, I did this bet, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. I actually, my, one of my favorite stories about you, which you wouldn't know this, of course, but and it was, you know, not gonna use names, but it's just like two guys I know through one of my good buddies who used to play online poker. Yeah. They were like on a full tilt. I don't know. It was like a decent sized tournament, but not a bit, not a big one, but it was probably like 15 grand to first or something. And they were like three handed with you. Right. So these are, these are two non like poker guys. These are like yeah. business wall street kind of guys that like, like to you know play once in a while, but they're like two guys that were at the final three. I'm not saying, I don't know, like specific, I, just, you know, they were, they're two good buddies that don't play for a living. Right. They found okay. themselves at the final three with you, you know, take it for what it's worth. But then they just like, it was like over in like, like 15 minutes and they were like one and two and you were three. And then you ended up beating them. It was just kind of funny. They were just like, they still scratching their head, you know, <laughs> not saying they were doing anything wrong, but you get it right. They were just playing like, you know, they weren't going for each other. If they had a close spot yeah, they you know what I mean? and, and, and just got, just got worked. But uh, that I always thought was funny. Um, well, let me ask uh, the last, I know you got a live tournament to play as well. I want to just kind of ask about ambassadorship. You've been a face of poker. You've been with Doyle's room. I know 888 now America's card room. I know Phil Nagy very well. Uh, and they do doing some great stuff. A lot of you mentioned the promotions with Triton and doing you know some huge free free stuff. One of the players just won, right? A Stormer, I believe, or someone from ACR just won a live event. I, I yeah, I never had like a never had like a big score at all. Yeah, like pretty crazy, like amazing yeah, stuff. So, 
a couple questions in one, but what is it like for yourself when you became an ambassador? Was that, is that something probably to just like friends, family, it's prestigious. Give me your first deal and what it was like versus now and like how that experience was to sign with the, with a with a company for a representative. Yeah. Like my first ever back um, ambassador deal was with Doll's Room Poker actually. Yeah. And they did a deal where they signed basically the Brunson 10, they called it. Yeah. And it was like yeah. 10 online guys uh, who were coming up and, uh, I knew a lot of the guys as well. So it was really cool because it was like, felt like a close team. And, um, you know, it was like my people rather than sort of joining like people I'd sort of only heard of. I knew all these people and we all got a deal together. And, um, you know, I I remember like meeting Doyle Brunson, who was just like a huge hero of mine. I'd read, you know, Super System um, from back to cover like many times. And I went to like a, a, a fancy dining restaurant in London with him. And this was a time where I wasn't very, you know, <laughs> I was just used to eating badly. So I'm like, look at the menu. I don't know what to order. <laughs> like, I'm just like trying not to like look out of place. I'm like trying to eat properly. And uh, I'm just like, but I also I, I'm intensively listening to all these stories. just like telling these crazy stories about how like, you know, like all these crazy doll stories. And it was just amazing. Uh, and I like got his number. I remember calling him at one point as well and asked him for advice. I was going through a bad patch and I, I was like, he told me to call him, so I'm going to call him. And my friend's like, no, you can't call him. I called him, he answered. And they're like, I felt like he actually enjoyed giving me like some advice. I took it on. And, uh, you know, even like going forward, he wrote um, like the forward in one of my books that I wrote. And so I always kept a sort of closest relationship with him. He was like always like someone I really looked up to as someone who's been, you know, successful for such a long period of time in poker. And poker was their life. So kind of like similar to me but on a way bigger scale. And um, so, yeah, that was really cool to join Doll's Room to start with. Um, obviously, you know, in the end, the site went under and stuff um, and had to move on. But like, that's, you know, that's life. That's the way it goes. And uh, yeah, and then recently I joined ACR in like end of 2021, just when they had the um, COVID WSOP in um, the fall and uh joined them like spoke to them and the, the important thing when i spoke to them was i wanted to like they wanted to expand poker in europe and um i wanted to like help them with that like i played on acr you know for the last sort of five years before that and i'd always you know had no issues getting my money and stuff like that and i felt good about the site i liked you know what they were trying to do so i wanted to come on and build more new tournaments they were like someone they were very receptive to new ideas which i liked you know like it wasn't like oh if you yeah. want to change something you've got to like go for a million people like yeah. they'll try it and you know they'll try it and if it overlays then okay we'll take it off but like they'll give you a chance so i came up with some new tournaments in the mornings that you know got people on playing earlier in the site and uh yeah it's all been positive so far i think i've been with them for like 18 months but um had a lot of good experiences so far and a really good team so i'm excited to see how it progresses very cool very cool and if uh it, current day one piece of advice someone says they watch this they're looking at you they, they look you up see your results the success give sort of a um disclaimer what you would if you would just say someone wants to is debating to come into poker today like what would you, what um, you would yeah say? i mean if, if you want to come into poker i think it's like a weird thing because i think it's easier and harder in different ways like i think it's easier because there's a lot more information out there you can if you put your you know you look in the right places you can get coaching you can you know train up training sites all that kind of stuff you can get good at poker a lot quicker than like maybe when i started but the problem is like when i started you didn't need to be good at poker to win like now you need to be good at poker to actually win but the main thing i would say is like you need to 100 percent know that you love the game because it's not always 
like yeah it can look nice from the outside you can see like you know it's a bit like you see someone's instagram where, oh they're going to this country they're doing that they've got doing this now like all these amazing things you don't see the hard like work people put in to get there and uh the times where you know you just go for a couple of months straight losing every tournament like the, the swings the pressure knowing that you know you haven't got um a regular income coming in um just so there is like it's uh you know it's a hard way to make an easy living kind of thing like um i love it you have to love it i think to do it for a long time i know people who just did it as a means to an end and they kind of fell off and they didn't want to put the time into once it started getting tough for them they didn't want to you know they they didn't want to put the time in to change their game and to work on stuff they just felt like um it was just a bad run of you know a variance when really like yeah sure it could be but a lot of the time when you are losing you're doing something wrong as well so it's important to like even when you're winning it's important to work on your game because like that's definitely the time when you can become most complacent so yeah in the long story like to sum it up shortly i would just say like you have to want to really do it like you can't just think oh this is an easy way to make some money and like yeah. be my own boss and uh it could be a bit of fun like you have to just love the game love the competitive aspect of it really want to battle people and yeah just go from there for your own studying though are you doing like some po work and deep dive stuff or is it more like analyzing your hands you said patrick obviously at that point had helped you and sort of took some notes like what do you believe is the most efficient way for you to improve or study well if you're spending actual like classify as a watching final tables reviewing your own play how do you specifically study um a lot of how i study is um watching final table replay so on acr for a lot of the big tournaments they have final table replay you can um you know it's, it's especially at higher stakes it's um like a smaller player field so you know you, you can make notes i'll watch the final table replay you can watch it on 4x speed as well so you know say it's a two hour final table it takes 30 minutes to watch it and that's even you can skip through even faster mm -hmm. and i'll just make notes on all the players see who's maybe like okay, this person's over-adjusting to ICM or this person doesn't seem to care about ICM or different things, just write them all down, have them all like in a file on my computer. So if I make a final table, I can look quickly, see if there's anyone on that information. Um, and then like even like the the GG 10, uh, 10K Super Millions each week that you host, I watch at that religiously. Like, you know, you're watching some of the best players in the world and seeing how they adapt against each other on final tables. And like, I'll use that as a study tool, but I also like maybe you know put on two hundred dollars and just like have a little sweat on it so i'll bet on someone so i'm interested to like for entertainment but i'm also interested for study so it's not doesn't just feel like study so i like to watch final tables because at the end of the day that's where all the money is that's where the big mistakes are made and uh you can see yeah. player tendencies and stuff like that and then like as far as getting there i'll work on like i'll watch videos and stuff and i'll, I'll run some things in like you know like and solvers and stuff like that but that's not like my main focus my main focus is kind of like exploiting people on final tables because i think that's still where people can make a lot of mistakes and uh you can you know it's a different game once you make the final table it's weird because i was telling someone about this the other day like when you make the final table it's actually like the most fun about poker is before the final table because like the final tables feel a lot you know very stressful like you make one you mess up one thing it can cost you like you can actually see how much that actually costs you in dollars amount once you run it back you know in hrc or something like that um so yeah once you get to the final table um i want to feel like really comfortable and knowing my strategy and knowing how i'm going to adapt it based on how other people are playing and uh yeah have a, i'd almost like predict how people are going to play beforehand and then 
I'll like reevaluate it as the ta final table goes on and yeah, mix up my strategies and uh, based on my opponents. So yeah, the final table is just where I'm focusing heavily, heavily on my study. And, and then, you know, the other stuff I really, it's funny, I, compared to a lot of other professionals, I really enjoy the um, progressive knockouts. So I know a lot of people, professionals don't like them, but I really enjoy those. So I tend to play those a lot from the start because obviously you need to be in early for the bounties. And then regular tournaments, unless it's a huge, insane value one, I, I tend to late register them a lot because I think uh, it's quite smart. ICM-wise, near the money and, and and stuff like that. So and then that keeps my table count like a manageable level as well, rather than trying to play like twelve tournaments all from the start and uh, overload myself. So that's kind of the way I do it. It's kind of a unique approach, I think. But uh, yeah, it's something that works for me. Yeah, it seems like I mean that's the thing about poker too. Live now, the big blind Annie speeds stuff up. There's little nuances. Things get better. Uh, the shot clock there's always it's improving now there's the, the the mystery bounty people love progressive not bounties there's five card four card there's there's always variations you know poker is going to be around i think forever in just some form or fashion it seems to keep moving moving forward and i know i said last question i keep i just got to pick your mind give me i'm sorry i thought to ask no you, what what is the uh what do you think the metaphor like what have you gotten the most what you would say you could apply to real life from poker with variance understanding luck and things like this, like just sort of real life situations that come up that you get to learn and, and master in poker. How do you feel like poker has helped you to understand and move through life? Yeah. Things? Well, so like I know I mentioned briefly that I'd start working with a mind coach and like I win that big tournament and I've been working with him ever since. So that was like what nearly, nearly 10 years ago now. And yeah, I don't talk to him as often as maybe I did once when I was doing badly or whatever. And I like at various times, you know, like say the world series, I'll talk to him every week to check in on how it's going. But, um, I would say it's like to always look at the bigger picture, like in life and uh, in poker. I think that translates well. Like in poker, you know, you can have a, a losing couple of months stretch, but you don't remember like the three month stretch before where you had like 150K score and it was like a huge like moment. And you can afford to lose that money back. Like, yeah, it sucks. Like, you know, you lose 20K this month, 20K next month. But you have to remember like three months ago, you won 150K. So you're actually still up, you know? Right. So, and in life, like, you know, maybe you're going through a tough period. Um, I don't know, like maybe you're having a tough period like in your relationship, but you have to remember, okay, you've been together like 10 years, like you have so many great memories, like no one has like an easy marriage or like an easy time with their mom and dad, like you're always going to have arguments, you're always going to, and it's about how you sort of um, grow from that and right. learn to like give, have a bit of give or take, like, um, okay, understand their point of view and you know, like you don't have to totally agree, but you can pick your battles, just different stuff. So I think poker can relate to life in the set, in the, in the respect that it's, you know, poker's not all, especially playing tournaments, it's never going to be straight up all the way. Like, yeah, maybe if you play in a soft cash game and like you have a big edge on the players, then you're going to be consistently winning all the time. But in tournaments, it's just going to be like all over the place. And you just have to make sure that when you're having a bad day or a bad session that, you know, that last tournament that you're playing, don't just fuck it off. Like if you win that tournament for 5,000 and you only lose 2,000 a day instead of seven, that's a huge win. Even though it's still a loss, technically, it's a huge win. And that like gives you the confidence going into the next session. And likewise in life, if, you know, you have an argument, um, like, you know, maybe try and iron it out before you go to bed. Don't like let it stew and like let it become a bigger thing than it needs to be, you know? So right. I think, I think poker and life can correlate in a lot of things. Yeah, not about what happens, how you react to what happens. A lot, a lot of exactly. There's always going to be yeah. bad, good and bad stuff happening. It's how you deal with it. Like, um, you know, there's always going to be stuff that's outside of your control. Like, you, you know, you're having a bad day. Someone does something that's like messes you up. But like, 
you know, they maybe didn't mean to do it on purpose or whatever, but you just have to like laugh about it and move on. And like, okay, it sucked, but like, whatever, like, uh, yeah, makes, makes perfect it. sense. Makes, makes a lot of sense. Well, listen, Chris, I, I gotta say again, I've known, obviously we've known each other. We talk a bit here and there, not much. One of the guys I've never really gotten to know and just have a lot of mutual friends and hear great things. So it's really, I do appreciate you taking the time to come on. Love to have you as a guest on the the gg super millions on a future tuesday hope yeah no problem sounds good i mean i'll be watching anyway so i might as well watch it here right yeah, yeah. call call it in and, and and have some fun and you know i respect your game a lot and, and what you've done and, and really a great ambassador for the game wish you continued success and 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 thank you so much and where can people follow you where's the best way to keep up with you on socials um just at mormon one i think that's the same for me on twitter and uh, and instagram um so I think that's the main places where I'm normally like posting stuff, uh, trying to post a bit more. Cause like, it's weird. I grew up when social media wasn't such a big thing. You know, I wasn't, you know, I, yeah. I would have been on Twitch if uh, Twitch was a thing when I was like 25, but you know, then Twitch came out when I was older and like, I never, never really got into it. I like watching stuff, but yeah. So uh, main things for me are really Instagram and Twitter and I'm trying to be it, a bit more active in the coming months. It is a timing thing. I also, I was a little late to the party and I wish I was thinking that too. I was like, man, imagine Twitch is like, I started doing it bit 2015, really 2016, like diving deep into it. But I was like, well, if this was in like college or in 2003 or two or four or five, I'd be like, wow, like that would have been, it would have been a lot more, more um, upside, right. To start it like then and, and dive in. It is a bit, it's hard now as you're yeah, old. Yeah. It's a little intimidating. And also like uh, back then you just, I would have done it to hang out, you know, just hang out yes. with the community and like stuff like that. So exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, listen, Chris, thanks again. Appreciate it. this was the Jeff gross podcast. Number one eighty five in the books, more special guests coming up really was a treat today. And please guys give Chris a follow and we'll see him on a future super millions episode as a guest. That will be a treat. Thank you so much. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on the show, Jeff. And uh, have a good rest of the day. Cheers, man. Thank you.